we're an animal, but we're also the next stage of animals where we're aware of who we are and we contemplate our existence. And when you contemplate your existence, if you're an intelligent life form, you should always be seeking to improve. If you're always seeking to improve, the thing that you look at, like what has brought me the most positive results? Hey, it's another episode of Short Life Advice. This is uh, your host, Ronald Gibson again. <laughs> and today I have with me... Dave Mosley, Director of New Business. Mosley, how's it going, man? Excited. I, big, big fan. Yeah? Really like the shoe cart episode. Nice, nice. You live in like an old person home in Indiana or something? Something like that? I don't know. Oh, Should, shoot, did shoe cart? Yeah. Yeah, he so, lived yeah. somewhere in Indy, I believe it was. That was my and, biggest uh, takeaway from that. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I forget what his band was that he listened to, but he, he he was very fond of the band and he kept bringing it up. Oh, it was 80s band. It was, was it Poison? I don't know. I like right. Poison, though. I'm a big fan of Poison. Okay, whatever. Was yours Poison? No, it's not. <laughs> Poison was not my first concert. I don't believe they were touring. <laughs> All right. What, uh, how long have you been with Schneider and Mosley? 10 years. 10 years? Yeah, just, just hit 10 in December. Oh, yeah, we had the, the, the office. Yes, that was floor wide. Floor late. That was a big crowd. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I like it. So, where did, where did you come from before you came to Schneider, Mosley? Were you in sales? Or, I, I don't um, know too much about your I had a cup of coffee at a, at a international forwarder that proceeded to go bankrupt shortly after they promoted to me me to basically my current role and i was like 23 years old they gave me a corporate card all that stuff okay it was very irresponsible of them i'd say um, <laughs> like a freight forwarder yeah like international okay. um i was an intern there and then i did that but basically i was working in bars because i graduated in 08 and there was really nothing higher and so i was bouncing and bartending most of the time yeah that was right during the uh recession i graduated in 09 yeah, so great time great <laughs> yeah. time to be uh leaving college where did you go to college depaul, DePaul. oh okay. i've always lived in chicago okay that's like my fun fact usually yeah <laughs> <laughs> did uh so what you would you study at Batal or depaul and then you got a job at the freight forwarder no uh, I didn't have a job at Forder at first. I was just working in a bar in Wrigleyville um, as a bouncer, and I was bartending at like a small bar in Lincoln Square. That, like held like probably had, like ten bar stools in it. Okay, that's it. What got you wanting to get into sales? And I just it was just something that was obviously you know we're hiring at the time, and I didn't I honestly didn't know if I'd be any good at it, and mm -hmm. just kind of gave it a shot and liked it, so I just kept going with it from there. I mean, you had to be a pretty personal person work being a bartender and, and yeah I feel like that was it's, probably it's something. a little different uh <laughs> when you're a bartender and you're or you're banging out cold calls all day so <laughs> yeah, it was it was sure. it was a it was a big change and I Mark Berger looking over my shoulder the whole time so uh <laughs> it's a little more intimidating well let's get in that when did like how did you find out about Schneider where where that uh happen? I honestly the reason I came to Schneider was because they um Honestly, location helped a lot. I lived, I was living on Armitage and Western, so about a 10 minute train ride from here. So I was excited that the blue line literally took me door to door to work Very after convenient. working at a freight forwarder that was out in Schaumburg. So I was driving mm -hmm. to Schaumburg every day. Um, and honestly, I was just looking for a company with stability um, after working at a smaller company that had gone bankrupt. So I figured like, okay, I kind of know a little bit about this uh, logistics stuff. And mm -hmm. then this company looks Pretty reputable. Looks like they'll they'll stay around. So uh, yeah, just I kind of just said let's give this a shot, and then 
10 years later, still here. Yeah. Nice job. When you go through a previous like occupation mm -hmm. and you maybe you lose your job or they go bankrupt or, you know, they go under or do layoffs or whatever, it makes you really value uh, job security. Yeah, you know? for sure. Cause yeah. I, I had a similar type of, I started out at a, a smaller logistics company. Mm -hmm. They shut down all their satellite branches, including mine. So and, you're like, oh, okay. And so, you know, I was like, you know, I liked logistics. New Schneider was a reputable mm -hmm. uh, company and, uh, you know, applied there and the rest there of the history you say right. as well. So similar kind type of similar, of yeah. startup there, but like job security is so important when you, when you experience a comp, when it's, you know, when you experience a company that does do layoffs or does shut down, it's yeah. like, like, yeah, hey. it's just, it was just, there's a lot of uncertainty every day. So yeah. it's never a fun, uh, fun feeling to be uncertain about what the day is going to lead or if you're going to be there at the end of the day kind of thing. So the writing was on the wall for a while. There's some, I learned a lot of how to read between the lines after that. And you're reading about like a quarterly update or something like that. So, yeah. How did you, uh, you mentioned uh, Berja, who's our VP of sales. You mentioned he was your manager. What, he at was one point? so uh, when I got hired, um, I had one manager that left right away, so most people wouldn't know him. And then I went to Team Belzola, and Berja was the team lead at the time. And Belzola almost immediately went into another role. I think basically my current role right now. So. Uh, Burge has kind of been my leader since day one. Yeah. Uh, now I report to Rodney, obviously, but uh, that does not stop Burge from being very involved in my life. <laughs> How did, uh, did you, were you good at sales right off the bat, inside sales or? I wouldn't say so. I, I had no direction whatsoever. I, my lead list, I looked at industry net, pulled every rubber company. I don't know why I chose, I, was like, I just picked, like, it was like, Throwing a dart at a dartboard. Yeah. So no, I was I wasn't great. I was just calling people, saying I had trucks sitting in their backyard. That was pretty much all I said. Do you remember what you struggled with at the beginning? Was it just? Uh, uh, well, the market was extremely low mm -hmm. at the time. It's lower than it is today. Um, calling a lot of small companies off industry net because back then we had the do not call list even, um, which is probably some of our biggest customers now because we weren't really playing as nice with a. Uh, truckload back in those days so i was just calling a lot of small companies that were going bankrupt i mean i felt fine on the phone it was just like it was it was tough like mm -hmm. the, it was uh it was pretty trying those first few months there so kind of figured it out got some good customers along the way and then you get you just get more confident once that happens when did you uh because i kind of know your background of you know you went in eventually started getting the leadership team lead yeah was, operations manager when yeah. did you was leadership something you always wanted to do or something you always looked at or? Yeah, it, it just seemed natural. I liked getting out of my seat a lot when I was just a seller, even helping new guys, things like that. That's kind of how I eventually ended up being the end-to-end -end leader. Um, the first one we had and then really it was just something I naturally was doing a lot. Um, and then when I had Team Mosley, um, I found myself kind of naturally uh, floating toward getting more customer visits, really focusing on the pipeline. And that's where I like liked spending my time the most, which is kind of how I got into this role. Mm -hmm. You end to end. So end to end for people listening, they don't know is just uh, new associates that just started essentially yeah. would start out on uh, Mosley's team. And uh, he would have a team of uh, newer 
and they did brokerage and sales. Oh yeah, yeah. So that we do split their day half and half. Yeah. Okay. Doing both roles. Yeah. Yeah. Just gave them some real interesting loads to call on in the (laughs) afternoon that we knew were going to be a struggle the next day. Yeah. What uh, like looking back on it, or like what was some of the advice you gave back then to some of your new associates? Like if you gave them, if they asked you, what's like two things that they can do that. I mean, you know, I drive success. I, I think just you'd see a lot of folks that were super nervous just about getting on the phone, cold calling people, things like that. Just kind of making them comfortable and say, hey, it's, this is someone there at work. Their job is to, you know, procure transportation services and make their service better. It's, it's not like you're calling them during dinner and trying to get them to buy Comcast or something along those lines. So I think it was just mm-hmm. kind of taking that away from folks and then just like just set some realistic goals. Like, and don't make them for, you know, give them the goals for the day, but also kind of let them know where they want to be by the end of the year, where they're making some good money and they're enjoying coming into work every day because it's tough those first six months or so. Mm -hmm. I think that whole, like treating the people on the phone, customers, the people that you're calling, putting people on a pedestal, like above you immediately, I think is what a lot of people tend to do in any career sales, especially, especially mm-hmm. for near tenure, if you don't have any experience in it. Yeah. I think that is very important of just realizing the person on the other side of the phone is really not much different from you or I, you don't even know their experience too yeah. much that they probably maybe are newer in their role within a year or oh, two. I, mean, I see that all the time just in my role now, just how much, turnover there might be and then you know some of the decision makers i'm meeting with are i consider myself a young professional still being 33 years old but there's like a lot of people that are younger than me that are making some very big decisions around very big transportation spends so uh it's kind of evolved i'd say over the last 10 years where you kind of had that person that had been the transportation director or manager for 20 years now there's it's just a different industry. People go to school for supply chain and logistics a lot more. Mm-hmm. So they kind of get themselves into that role faster when you usually see maybe the guy was a warehouse worker, worked on the dock, you know, like mm-hmm. something along those lines and just kind of worked his way up. It's kind of a different world out there in a lot of ways now. It's a very big mix of who the decision makers are at uh, customers. So you really have no idea what you're walking into. Yeah. And there's, I, I think even the, we had a LinkedIn representative that came in and I forget what the statistic was, but it was like one and a half to two years, like positions on average are changing mm-hmm. for like the decision makers, these high up positions, the people that most, uh, you know, uh, sellers would be calling and talking to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in, only in a role within six months to a year, a lot of these people are still learning as they go. So, I mean, it's just realizing that these not putting these people on a pedestal that they're, you know, these grand, you know, like just because their titles VP of sales, yeah. you know, imagine like just, we know Mark Berger, a person from another company is calling Mark Berger with the yeah, VP of sales would be very yeah. nervous, but we know him yeah. that we're very comfortable with him, but it's just like same thing. Yeah. A lot of other companies have also found, they think we got to do cross training and they actually, encourage their associates to get into these other roles a lot. I think they do that so people don't leave. Oh, yeah. So I've had a few, I remember I had a customer, a prospect a couple of years back that had like 60 or 70 loads a day he was in charge of, and he worked in the real estate section of them, like buying land the year before. So he knew absolutely nothing about truckload services. Mm-hmm. He knew nothing about LTL. So, I mean, it, it you really 
don't know, but he was in charge of an insanely high spend. So you really never know what you're getting into. That's interesting. I have a, a customer on uh, my team, a seller on my team that does the same thing across mm-hmm. training. And it's, uh, and I, I've read recently a lot um, people I follow and respect, authors and uh, successful people always talking about uh, being an expert generalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Munger, which is, uh, he was like the right hand man to uh, Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. He, that was what he called it, expert generalists, or, or people call them like multi-hyphenates. Yeah. It's just learning a bunch of different subjects or roles, not only in your, just your, whatever role you're in, your industry, like mm-hmm. if your sales will learn about a lot of other different things, yeah. and then you can apply it uh, more on a grand scale and come up with more innovative ideas rather than being so tunnel visioned in on one subject or one technology or one service yeah and then kind of learn a vast so i i like how companies are actually stepping in to do that that made me also even think of just kind of working for schneider um i don't think we do a good enough job sometimes of making sure that our salespeople kind of understand where truckload does well where scm does well where intermodal is going to play well like I wonder if you talk to a seller on the floor and ask him what rail lines Schneider National runs their orange boxes on. Mm-hmm. Probably would know that it's BN and CSX that they're running most of that on. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting things that you could talk about to a customer that just makes you feel more educated, makes them more comfortable that you're actually doing something as an enterprise and you're not just another broker calling them or something like yeah. that. So I talk to Rodney about it all the time. Rodney's like, yeah, I love selling truckload, going in there, talking about what truckload's going to do because customers want to hear that, mm-hmm. but they also want to know how do we put it all together and how do we have like a full solution. So yeah. I'm like, in this role, I spent a lot of time with truckload intermodal sellers and like, I really want to understand where they're good. Mm-hmm. Like, That's where good. are they going to like knock it out of the park? Because customer wants to know those kind of things as well. Yeah. And just being able to speak to something seems small. It's like, all right, you know, the Schneider and Amola run their trailers on CSX mm-hmm. and uh, uh, BNSF. Yeah. Seems small. It seems like common knowledge, but like just knowing that and be able to speak to it. Well, then I know as a broker, maybe I should be checking UP on these lanes if if we're, if Schneider's not a fit for it. And that's yeah. one of our sales pitches, yeah. running that's on good. UP and the NS. So little things like that, like just make you sound more knowledgeable, but they also help you close a deal as well. I think that's... A, you know, a testament to if you are a newer seller, like learning from a vast uh, range of people mm-hmm. in your own company, yeah. you know, and, you know, listen, I know a lot of, I know like Freight Waves and a lot of other companies are putting out all these like videos and very in, in informative, uh, you know, uh, different things about the technology and what's going on in industry and just learning from the different people in your industry. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't have to have, you don't have to have a director title to be able to learn from, you know, other people yeah. high up in our, our company. Yeah. I mean, and you like, could in learning about your competitors, like, you know, we, we always talk about who we're competing with, just knowing where they're going to do the best. Um, because customers ask a lot, where are you good? And if you say everything, they get mad. Yeah. <laughs> I want everything. They say, yeah. so does everyone else. So, I mean, kind of knowing who they're working with potentially, where those folks are good. Okay. You probably have this locked up or it's going to be a little tougher here. 
let's talk to them about it, make sure that that's what's going on, and let's focus on where we're going to win. So I think it's very interesting to, like, learn, okay, who are the other customers in this office? How do we play well with them? What solutions have we done? Mm-hmm. What is our operations team comfortable with? And they're going to be able to replicate quickly. So, like, if we do something for one customer, like a pop-up fleet or something like that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that with this customer. I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about it in this meeting. Let's see if it's something different that we did. So mm-hmm. just those uh, use cases mm-hmm. and sharing those use cases of successes of whatever sales pitch we did for another customer and applying that to a new customer, just like you said, not only does it give me confidence when I do that, because I know it worked mm-hmm. and I read up on it and now I'm a little bit more versed in the subject, you yeah. know, and then I'm able to speak to and articulate it to the customer pretty easy. And it's like, you can like, you can do that in all aspects of life. I think that's what reading and a lot of things do it. It helps you learn about other people that were successful in other avenues of life. And then you just, those are like use cases and mm-hmm. then you are able to speak to them to other people. And then you're able to articulate just, things. Yeah. Right? It makes you reputable. It makes them trust you. Yeah. So, I mean, and you can tell when someone's talking about something they actually did, that they've actually tried, that they've actually implemented. It's it's just, it comes out when you're talking through it. It's good. If you had to, with everything that you learned over the 10 years, mm-hmm. like if you had to like go back to like a younger day, Mosley, like as you were a manager teaching um, your end-to-end team at the time, like is there anything that you learned in the last like five years or so that you wish you would have been able to apply back then? I didn't know anything I just said, so you could just kind of go back to that. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, in all honesty, <laughs> like just thinking about um, really like I think we used to set the bar a lot lower for our salespeople, our brokers, everything. Where I remember brokers, you covered ten loads a day. All right, good job. I did my job today. Ten loads, two thousand dollars for a seller. It was like twenty or thirty k. Okay, you're a good good associate. I mean, I think we've made the limit. The sky is not is the limit now. I mean, Berja, he's never going to say no. He's going to always encourage sellers to try to do more and do those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I think I just think of myself back then. I'm like, oh, thirty k. All right, good job. What mm-hmm. kind of thing? Like, there's just there's just so much more we can do. I think we have a lot more capabilities now as well. Um, but I think we just had a lot of limiting beliefs back in the day about what was success, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And every year you'll see something crazier happen, you know, some insane number with a customer over a month or over a year, insane growth so mm-hmm. quickly where that wouldn't have been fathomable, you know, seven years ago or something like that. Yeah. And I think what plays into it a little bit, it's almost like people put self-limiting uh, beliefs on themselves, but I think as a company, especially as us, we were growing, it's almost like a culture or not even a culture of just like environment where maybe, you know, especially early on where we weren't doing so well, you almost put a self-limiting belief as a culture, as a company on yourself. And then as you grow, it kind of opens it up and, uh, you know, opens it up to where if one guy's doing it, then it gives more confidence to a couple more people and more, a couple more people and then you kind of build on it. And then remove that limiting belief of the company. And then if you have more people taking chances, being more innovative, being more, you know, taking more initiative, then, you know, then it's, that's where you develop that culture where you're going to see more opportunities. of For sure. Those I think we're doing a good job of perpetuating that these days also. Yeah. So the million dollar seller list keeps getting higher and higher and higher every year. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, that 
that number was infathomable when we started. Like no one would have thought that was possible. So yeah. it's great to see that. Uh, there's a good quote in a book I read by James Clear it says, "You rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your habits." Mm-hmm. I feel like you have, you've always I've noticed you have pretty you always coming in early and have pretty good habits. Yeah, usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. We'll get off. Uh, we'll get off course here. What? Uh, what was your first concert you ever been to, Muslin? You this question. <laughs> uh, actually, my first concert, Dave Matthews, when I was fourteen. But I'm not even a huge Dave Matthews guy. I just happened to be like the first big concert. Yeah. I went to I went to school right over by the Metro though, um, over by Wrigleyville, and yeah. I would uh, we'd go to like these all ages terrible like kind of wussy punk shows back in the day (laughs) so i've seen like a hundred terrible like newfound glory kind of concerts when i was a kid so that's that's i I went to a lot of concerts when i was younger um i wanted to ask you a question what's the worst concert you've ever been to the worst concert that i've ever been to or most disappointing you have the most disappointing concert because mine was Bob Dylan. It was the worst concert I've ever. Was seen. it? That's he disappointing. Was, it was very disappointing. It's disappointing. At the Chicago Theater, he like tried to change his hits basically and like do them all like kind of different. It was just, it just became annoying by the end. Okay, <laughs> interesting. This is a great question. No one's ever asked me or even thought this through. We can um, come back to it. I would have to say, only because. Do you like country music at all? Yeah, from our Gary yeah. Allen. Yeah, I, I always have been a big get fan of Gary Allen. I actually saw him in concert once, but it was a little further back, back in the day. And mm-hmm. uh, country, uh, the country late shake they do, yeah, yeah, uh, the country yeah. like little festival they do. Like a couple years ago, I saw him, and uh, he just didn't. All he did, was, you know, how a lot of artists they'll have like. Uh, They'll get into it, have some emotion. They'll be mm-hmm. walking around, the, trying to get the crowd into it. He was just so, just mundane, just sitting there and just saying without moving around. That's how, that's how Anthony Kiedis was at the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was really surprised. Okay, he doesn't do much. Like Flea's kind of their front man, so Flea actually works the crowd and does all that kind yeah. of stuff. And Kiedis is just kind of hanging back, and then he sings the song. See, I, think I, it, I saw as he gets older. That was a, I was so far back. Yeah, well, I was pretty close for that show, actually. And as he's gotten older, I guess, I guess he used to be a little crazier, but now he kind of just, like, sings the song. So okay. I was kind of disappointed in that, too. And see what made I me... I love the Chili Peppers, don't get me wrong. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> what made me that more disappointed because he was doing that? You familiar with Dan and Shay, the new kind of new country? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were right before him, and they just got the crowd into it mm-hmm. and just did a really damn good job of getting the crowd into it and get it, the energy up. Yeah. And that's what people, a lot that's of people why you love concert. concerts. Yeah, just, just the energy. Just listen just, to music at home otherwise. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So he just kind of stood there and it was, uh, you know. All right. So I just do, didn't. do you want to just bash artists for the rest of the time? Yeah, that's good fun. though. <laughs> I, I, I love it. No one's ever asked me that. It was good. Uh, let's see here. If you... Uh, if you could put anything on a billboard, like a quote or a saying, yeah. anything on it, what would you put on it? Reach thousands, the, millions of people. I mean, 
honestly, the and just kind of tying back to a lot of what we were talking about earlier, the you know miss a thousand percent of the shots you don't take. The Wayne Gretzky slash Michael, Michael Scott, Scott <laughs> slash probably Berger too. <laughs> yeah. um, like that's, I mean that's, I mean when you think of sales and stuff, it's just like like anything. Like who cares? Just do it. Try it. Like what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know, and maybe I, who cares? Just try it. I mean, maybe I'm say that instead. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like I just think of like a lot of times in life, people get like like psych themselves out or they're having a bad day and they like like I remember even just like working like working in a restaurant, busting tables. And I'm like, it's like just so crazy busy. And you're like, how is this ever going to end? What am I going to do? Like those kind of, like you get like, people get so wrapped up in like the dumbest little thing. And it's like, you're not going to die. Like the, the yeah. world's not going to end. The restaurant isn't going to close if you don't bust that table fast enough. Maybe a waitress is going to yell at you or something. But it was yeah. like, like once you kind of like learn, like, okay, like take a breath. You can do these kind of things. Like, I don't know. I think I think a lot of people psych themselves out. People psych themselves out in sales. Like, I don't want to call this guy. I've called him before or something like that. It's like, just who cares? Just whatever. Go. Yeah. Give it a shot kind of thing. I love that. I actually was, uh, I've been trying to uh, create a journaling habit. This, mm-hmm. this year has been one of my, towards in December I started, but I'm trying to just make it an everyday thing. But I was, I was writing about this this morning. Uh it's just an idea came up my head when mm-hmm. I was running this morning and started writing it down in my journal. And it's like this very thing. Cause I've been reading a lot of people I've been re- reading about. It's very important to have like curiosity and then creativity kind of leads from it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it's in the way to have creativity is you have to learn, you have to be okay with failing. And mm-hmm. this one of this article that I read, it was referenced Thomas Edison mm-hmm. and he, he invented the light bulb and then he had like 900 and some patents and, and, but he had so many failed ideas, oh. like thousands upon thousands of failed ideas, but nobody talks about that. Yeah, for sure. Everybody talks about the ones he excelled in. I, I'm sure. Imagine if Thomas Edison was gone in throughout his life, being in fear of what someone would think if he would yeah. put out this patent or it didn't. It didn't actually get a patent for the idea, or even yeah. a lot of the ones he got patents for the, didn't yeah, succeed. Yeah, the flying machine, or, or that was that wasn't him. That was like Leonardo da Vinci, but whatever. Like yeah. they had all these crazy, like all those inventors invented a bunch of crazy stuff. But you talk it, and then it's. I think it's the same for you know. I think about, and I was kind of thinking it through, and I was saying like, just think of like Eminem. Mm-hmm. You know, all throughout his career, he he, he would create new music because that's what you have to do. You can't mm-hmm. keep putting any out the same stuff. Yeah. That's why people started making fun of Nickelback because it was kind of similar stuff. To there's, you always have to think creative and be okay with something failing. Yeah, and not being. Oh yeah, he made some weird stuff in the middle there. Yeah, but you know, it was, it was still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, people liked it <laughs> in my opinion. But uh, I think the consensus is people aren't afraid of what other people think, mm-hmm. um, and aren't aren't afraid of it failing. Those two things. Like just not being afraid and that allows you to be creative because mm-hmm. if, if you're always worried about what other people are thinking in life, then you're never going to take that leap. You're, you're not going yeah, yeah. to take initiative yeah. on any idea that you have. And, and that's a shame because a lot of people have a lot of good ideas. So you should, uh, but one other thing I was thinking, we do need to care about what other people think a little bit. 
Oh, yeah. That's what we, you know, yeah, we, we wouldn't have any friends for that matter. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> probably we wouldn't have a, yeah. probably please, wouldn't have a job. Please don't take away from this. Just don't care about anything. Yeah. But you have to the, find that even now. The, the just fear, fear of things. Like, you know, being in high school, you're afraid to call a girl or something like that. Like those little stupid things. So it's yeah. same kind of thing. Yeah. But you keep building up and building up. Yeah. And you're always, um, you're always writing down your idea. I, I think that's one good thing that Berja people kind of laugh at him sometimes, but he's always coming up with like ideas and it's said, you know, mm-hmm. not all of them work. Not all of them are the best ideas, but you keep coming up with them. A couple of them are going to land, yeah. you know, and then maybe stick and end up helping the company become the best company in the universe. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Galaxy universe. What are, what are we at now? Universe. Universe. Okay. Yeah. Best company in the universe. But, has anyone asked him about the multiverse theory? Or, no, you know, maybe. Or should we this, get into that? That, seems, that seems like your realm. You go <laughs> yeah. for that. That's, that's not me. <laughs> uh, cool. Let's. Uh, do you do you have any like weird habits anybody want to know about you? Mostly, you got any? Yeah, anything I, I, I also sleep there? in my khakis like J.K. <laughs> no, um, honestly, nothing like really weird. I think I've heard you ask other people that question. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm not like that weird of a guy. I don't know. I'm just kind of a regular guy. I don't really have a good answer for that. You not know, I any mean, like weird hobbies or weird foods or anything to eat. No, I, I eat. I eat like a caveman. Uh, my wife like always gets on me because I just like won't put vegetables in it, things like that. So like, I always just like try to like work out my way into like getting in shape but it's probably just terrible for my body so like blood pressure's high you know <laughs> what about like going to the gym with high blood pressure and just trying to work out your way into good health is probably very concerning i've heard any, any weird bands you like any lannis morissette I, I do like lannis morissette like jagged it. little pill that thing cover to cover is much better than most of the things a, out there right it's now. It's a great album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jagged Little Pill was good. Um, I saw she was touring this year, so if really, you want to get together and go to Lance, you know that the, the really angry song of hers was about Uncle Joey? No. Yeah. Like, that's, she was dating Uncle Joey, and she was just, she, he broke her heart. So I guess Uncle Joey. I did not know that. From Full House, for those listeners out there that don't know who Uncle Joey is. That's, uh, uh Dave Coulet. That's he, he, Yeah, it's, it's about him. I so, had no clue. Uh, this is not scripted. Ronnie <laughs> did not think I was going to go down an Alanis Morissette uh, hole here. But, uh, yeah, she's good. Show Crow had a couple bangers back in the day, too. Yeah. You know, there's some decent stuff happening on in the early 90s there. She's got a lot of bangers. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think my, my is wife your is... first a, album? <laughs> no. I think my first album was... Uh, the first one I bought for myself, I yeah. think, was... Like the Tupac Greatest Hits album. Who's holding the two? Oh. Yeah. yeah. And it's got uh, the two discs. Yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. that one. Yeah. So I, I think, think my first one. CD was And Then There Was X. And uh, I remember my mom was Is that DMX? Yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got Party Up on it. So we're the same age, so we were probably listening to a lot of the same music yeah. and going through the Just same. Thinking we were real, real gangsters. Yeah. yeah. 50 Cent, you know? 50 Cent, I think that's high school. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a big DMX guy. DMX is good. I mean, he was playing in movies and yeah, was, the Romeo Must Die with uh, Jet Li. I think it's like there were like a lot of action un- movie, a lot of actually... unexplained four wheelers in that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right. <laughs> that went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, do you have, well, actually I want to go back to, uh, do you have any like failures in life or work or anything that, uh, I mean, I, I, I was like when I was on McGill's team for a while, I lost like my entire book of business in one month. <laughs> I went from like 30 K to three K and like, Holy cow. I mean, I thought like, I'm like, I'm getting fired. I was a team lead on his team and that happened too. So, uh, and it was just like a customer, uh, one customer's just... contract issue. I got mm -hmm. comfortable running a project with another guy that was just, you know, a big part of my book of business. So I just kind of wasn't looking to the next month. I was just trying to make as much money as possible that day. Mm -hmm. And not, I just like lost track of the pipeline. Wow. I mean, what went through your mind when this was, I mean, a lot of I was people, in a rough I spot. Like yeah. No, I was... <laughs> <laughs> no it, it took me a month or two. Uh, and then I, I got a couple of big closes. Um, and uh, yeah, like, it was, it was, it was a rough couple months, but I mean, I mean, you learn from it. It's just like, I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but it's like, basically like if you just get comfortable with the few things that you have that are going well, and then you just don't even think about next month or the rest of the year and kind of how things are, it's, it was pretty rough. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine. <laughs> uh, I mean, just the resilience you had and I, I'm sure, you know, I, I noticed, like I was saying earlier, when I was talking about habits, like mm -hmm. I think if you have instilled good habits, daily habits that you have in your life and, and continue and don't let anything deter you away from those. And yeah. as long as they're good and they're good structured in your life, then I think that allows for things like that to happen. And as long as you stick to it without letting, you know, a couple big customers come through and then you kind of like back off of prospecting or mm -hmm. building your pipeline and that type of stuff and then kind of get lazy there. But if you stay true to what you're yeah you know. the whole well i was busy today so i had a good day mm -hmm. yeah you know, that your... that, well that doesn't yeah i could have been working really hard that month before but i wasn't thinking about what's next or something like that so just being busy doesn't mean you had a good day yeah. uh david goggins you familiar david no goggins. he's uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah he's uh it's kind of like a big Thing around the office, a lot of people reading his book, but he's like this uh, guy who went from three hundred pounds, and then he, and then he, uh, and he was like an exterminator, living a paycheck to paycheck, living mm -hmm. in Brazil, Indiana. Long story short, he decided to make a change. Decided he was going to join the Navy SEALs, started exercising. Okay. Now he runs marathons, and he's just this very motivational guy. Uh, what, but was, what changed him? What caused he, that to happen? He just was like fed up with his life. Saw. He heard a commercial about Navy SEALs on his on his uh, TV and was like, I want to be a Navy SEAL. So he went out and tried to run. He made it like two blocks. He was legit 300 pounds. On the front of the book, it's got his old body and him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, like a silhouette. I think it's called a silhouette behind him. Yeah. Uh, and he just slowly started instilling these good habits, started changing his eating habits, you know, started – and he – the whole book is just about him mastering his mind and he did it through exercise. Like your mind has these, uh, I call it resistance, but it's these excuses in your head that prevents you from doing things. And then like exercise is the easiest way to overcome that, those excuses. Because mm -hmm. if you run a mile, your mind's constantly telling you, let's quit. We've done enough. Mm -hmm. uh, my oh, thigh hurts, I, whatever. I, I go to a breath. workout class where they make me run because I know that I hate running. 
and you're probably saying I want to quit the entire time, well, right? I think I think it's a lot of people like just playing sports growing up and stuff. Like running is punishment. That's mm-hmm. like I had to run whenever I was bad. For so sure, I ran a bunch. That's a good point. But I mean, like that's like I don't know if that's just in my head now. Like yeah. I never want. Like I have no desire yeah. to go run, but I, I have to. I run all the time, but it's just like I just hate it. Like, yeah. I will not like if I just if I go outside and I start running, I'm like I just want to quit right now. Yeah, I mean that may have been instilled in because I remember in football it's like run a lap or any sport you have yeah. to run, fumble, to, run a mile. Yeah, get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, so it was. I I think he just used exercise as being able oh I'm not, I'm to control you. that that voice in your head because if you can overpower the exercise, then you kind of learn how to just recognize that voice. Mm-hmm. And then be able to control it rather than it control you, and mm-hmm. you know. So that's oh, for sure. So early on, he f- realized that, and then he just kept applying it to the rest of his life. Became like an ultra marathon runner, broke the record for pull ups all time. It was like two thousand some pull ups. Like at once? Uh, yeah. No. It, yeah, insane, <laughs> insane. All right. Oh. Uh, but yeah, why, why were we? Why did I bring that up? I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned something today. <laughs> yeah. uh, we can uh, we can end it off here. What's uh, do you have like a a best day at Schneider at all? What's your best day? Uh, Rodney called me and told me I won orange jacket last year, like right around Christmas time. Like that was like. I was really happy that Can you day. tell people if maybe they don't work for Schneider, what's the orange jacket? Oh, it's just the top salesperson for your service line. Um, so I remember Rodney's my boss, and he sent that to me. He just called me and said, all right, you want it. And I had been kind of bugging him all year, so I didn't know if I had won it or not. So I was, mm-hmm. that's probably the best day. Like, I remember I that's walked awesome. over and told, like, JK right away because JK helped me so much because he was my regional sales director at the time. I bought him like this giant bottle of whiskey. I was like, so I was like, so grateful. I gave it to him. I told Burge, um, and then Burge, like, I think told a bunch of people right away. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell anyone, man. So yeah. it was, it was, that was, that was That's definitely, awesome. uh, the, yeah, probably the best station I was that day. But, um, a lot cool. of good days, man. I, I had, uh, when I had the sales team and like seeing guys like really start to succeed and make some money. That was, that was really fun too. So, I mean, as a leader, that was like, if you saw someone that you like believed in, especially ones that, like didn't do well right away. Mm-hmm. And then Definitely. like when it like finally hits for them, like I had that with like a few guys. I remember like some guys that are still here that are on end to end, like they were not good in end to end. Like their numbers were not good and they were struggling and like mm-hmm. seeing them have a big month or a big year or something like that. It's just like, Oh yes. Awesome. Like, yeah. especially if you kind of knew always. So I feel like sometimes you go into it and you're like, okay, like we just get very like numbers driven and look at like everything. And, but like something you can just look at someone, talk to someone, kind of hear out their philosophy and something like, okay, this person's going to be good. We mm-hmm. just not need to like arm them with the right stuff and it's going to hit. So, a lot of those kind of days. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. When you when you when you know someone has the talent and 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 also puts in the effort, and mm. it's like you know it's eventually going to work out for them because mm. just law of averages, and you know it's going to work out mm. for them if they're putting in the work like that and are you know are well versed in the role. Yeah, and it's and if sometimes it's tough, especially early on in your career, or, or you know early and just being young, mm-hmm. it's like you you. 
you don't have those life experiences to go through for yourself, so you don't know. No. So if you fail a couple times, then then it's just like shoot, you know. Uh, then you maybe give up or, yeah. or try something. Oh, maybe I'm not good at sales, or maybe I'm not good at writing. Whatever you're doing at the yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, and then want see them get over that hump and see the mm-hmm. light and realize it, and then you're like, you know, that's one yeah. of us being proud top of moment. There. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, anything else? I'm an open book. Got like two more minutes. Anything else? <laughs> I think that's all I got, man. All I appreciate right. it. Uh, well, thanks cool, for man. taking this, out this time. This was fun. That's right about ha- 40 I'm ha- minutes. I, I'm happy I like stumped you with the worst concert. Now, to be like a lot of angry fans. Now all the other this guests is gonna are going to try to step. Well, it might go viral now. And like maybe <laughs> like there's going to be these podcasts that's just bashing artists that are supposed to be about life lessons. Maybe we can start our own podcast. Yeah, spinoff. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. All right, appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah.